Thank you for joining us in our study of the book of Genesis, entitled The Origin of Reason. I had a question asked of me a few days back. Why would I want to do a podcast? And I told this fellow about what I was preparing, and we started to discuss what, what the subject matter was going to be and all these things. And then a question came up, and he asked, why do you want to do a podcast? Being who I am and how I am, this question lodged in my mind, and it's something I thought about. And it's not a nagging question demanding an explanation, but it is a defining thing. And don't get me wrong, my life wasn't altered as I discovered a renewed meaning to my existence. Understanding why I want to write a podcast and why I want to be involved in this does clarify my reasoning behind it and help me understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. To put it in a simple phrase, I long for people to understand the Bible. And in understanding the Bible, they will come to know God clearly. And I believe this is more for the Christian mind than any other. I find the problem within the church to be 90% of the people sitting in the pew do not understand what scriptures say. They hear it, but they don't understand it. So it's my desire to help them understand. To be quite honest, I want people to understand it the way I understand it. I want others to have a desire to understand these things with a greater clarity and to feel the passion that God instills as you begin to study, to be able to follow the narrative of Scripture from Genesis 1-1 all the way through to Revelation 22-21 without a great deal of confusion. I see Scripture as a tremendous compilation of divinely inspired writings provided by men, men like you and me, of like passion. Men who had an intensely personal relationship with God, and they wrote of their experience as God led them to write. You have historical presentation, you have poetical, prophetical, educational, inspirational, and deeply personal instruction provided in the cadre of 66 books bound up into one volume. It's a tremendous thing to, to hold in your hands, and it's a lifelong study. It's inexhaustible in what it provides. I've been reading and studying this book for over 40 years now. I've been misguided, misunderstood, maligned, misled, and mocked by quite a few people. I've also been encouraged and inspired by several as well. There are conservative views and there are extremely liberal views that are floated out in public on so many subjects that pertain to the scriptures. And they try to use the scriptures to prove their point. And a lot of people get their heads turned. Why? Because they don't understand scriptures. But again, I want you to see things from my perspective. I want you to hear how I think. I believe the Bible is the verbal, plenary, fully inspired Word of God. It does not contain error and is the only true source for instruction that we've been provided by God. The only true source takes in all other writings such as the Book of Mormon, the World Translation, which is used by the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Bhagavad Gita, the Koran, the Book of Shadows, and the Wiccan, and all these other books that other people consider sacred. I'm not denigrating the people. I don't want to offend them, but I do say that the Bible is far superior in every aspect. I'm reformed in my theology, and I offer no, no apologies for that. I'm conservative in my views, and I have a library full of Bibles I use in my studies, but I prefer the New American Standard Bible primarily because that was the version I was weaned on when I was a young Christian. The trend today is for the English Standard Version, which is a good version, but not for me. I use the New American Standard Bible as choice. I attend a Southern Baptist church, but will tell you quite clearly that I'm not a Southern Baptist. I'm not supportive of the downgrade movement that's occurring within the Southern Baptist. I attend the Southern Baptist Church due to the fact there are few conservative churches in my area of the world. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an academic. I have no great claims to make regarding my education. I've been part of the family of Christ since the age of 19. And prior to this, I was a card-carrying member of anything and everything contrary to the Christian faith. I was a wild child, a hippie wannabe with no direction or any aspirations at all. I grew up in a household where alcohol was dominant, anger was constant, and frustration was a fixture. Then Christ called, and things changed. 
I attended college for a year, but after hearing of and coming to Christ, I enrolled in Bible school and studied for a few years, and then from there, I worked in France and Spain, teaching and preaching, and it was during this time that I almost threw in the towel on the entire Christian parade. But I'm reminded as I speak of this of a song that says, O love that will not let me go. It's written by David Livingston. It says, O love that will not let me go, I yield my weary heart to thee, that in thine ocean depths its flow might richer, fuller be. The love of God wouldn't let me get out of the parade. The Lord held me when nobody else would and nobody else could. Different people were doing what they believed they were called to do, and that's fine. However, part of their design seemed to be to form me and shape me as they believed I should be in order to think a certain way and to say certain things. I was told what to think and what not to think, how to act and how not to act. And one man would not support me in sharing in the local church due to the fact that I didn't keep my room clean. Seriously. Now, I will openly admit that I rebelled against these sorts of things and would not support them. I didn't understand what they were wanting, and they weren't explaining anything I had a lot of learning I had to do in regards to what they were doing. I was seeing that men would guide you, and they will guide you, if you let them. And if you refuse to give them the reins, they'll cut you off in a heartbeat. I know that might sound mean and bitter, but it's not. It's a fact. Either you fell in line, or you fell out of grace. Well, I didn't fall in line. I was out. While in France, all my money was removed from my bank account by the director of my sending agency. I asked why he took my money, and he told me in no uncertain terms that I had no money. It all belonged to the mission. He left me there to find a way home. This was the Christianity I came to know in my formative years. After getting home, I was done. My wife and I married. I recall battling with my thoughts and emotions early on in our marriage regarding faith and all that. I took my Bible and I threw it out over the fence, and I was done with it. I was finished. This was uh, ridiculous. Later on that evening, I walked back outside and had to find my Bible. My wife sat there with wide eyes thinking she had married the wrong guy, I'm sure. An hour later, the Lord nudged me and had me go find that Bible. That was a benchmark time for me. That is when the flow of the river began to change course. I was able to break out of the terrible grip that others had on me, and it was a terrible grip. I was not involved in the cult by any means, but I can honestly tell you that definitely was a tight-knit sect that was controlled by one man who answered to nobody. He was the guy you answered to, and there were many, and are many, who still revere this guy. He had to know and approve of practically every decision that was made. To break free from such a grip is no easy thing. It took years to find my footing, and I am not by any means the only one who experienced this. After finding my Bible, I humbly began to study and to read and to seek the Lord at my kitchen table. I did not know where I was going, but my cry was raised up to the Lord. He heard me. The Lord was gracious, and while he held my hand in the furnace, it was an extremely difficult period of my life that left me, left me confused and pretty screwed up emotionally. The more I studied, the more I began to understand. The men who had been so dominant and sure became mere men. They had their opinions. And it was those opinions that had dominated my heart and my mind in the deepest ways for years. I came to see that their opinions were just that their opinions. Many of those opinions were opinions I could not and should reject, and I did. I cannot tell you how difficult it was to reject some of these things, because if you didn't go along, then you were losing, essentially, your salvation, or you never were saved in the first place. But listen, I learned these things. Trust God. Look to Jesus Christ. You develop faith not by reading tremendous biography and theological works, but by reading God's Word and prayer. You learn by applying what God says in the Bible and trusting Him enough to get out of the boat and at least attempt to walk on the water. Now, I want you to see and to understand these things. This is what I've learned, and this is what I want to pass along to you. I want you to see things like I do. To know God is to live.
Christ has opened the door to heaven, and we can go there if we'll follow him. It's better to put your trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. David hit the nail right on the head. And I honestly, sincerely hope that you profit from these studies and that you gain a modicum of insight and understanding about God as he is presented here in the book of Genesis. I've entitled the study, The Origin of Reason, because this is the origin of the balance of scriptures. I want to thank you very much for joining us today, being with us in this study. Your participation is well appreciated, and I hope you receive something of benefit. Come back next week and be with us as we study again the origin of reason.